Hi, everyone. It's Nika, the founder of Urban Remedy, welcoming you to the You Are Love podcast, inspiring health through food, lifestyle, and making conscious choices. Today, I am really excited to speak to a fellow herbalist. Adriana Ajalis is an author, clinical herbalist, and the founder and owner of the amazing company, Anima Mundi. She's a Costa Rican native who dedicated herself to the study of plants and healing from a young age and refers to herself as a seer and plant whisperer. She uses rainforest tribal botany as well as classic Eastern European alchemy, bridging the gap between indigenous medicine and Western practices. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today. So great to be here. And I was going to start, I, I saw this one quote that you said that I really love because we we call this podcast the You Are Love podcast, you know, which helps people kind of find the love in themselves and their lives. And I saw this quote that you wrote about your mantra about love is life. Love is the greatest state of receivership. The more we can attune to the frequency of love, the more we can access higher states of consciousness. And I I love that so much. So absolutely. And I love that. I love that you're embodying that state and vibration through this. It's a beautiful medium. Yeah, that's what we're, we're trying to do. Um, first of all, I love your brand so much. And I remember the first time I saw it and I loved the design and I thought, oh, this looks so beautiful. And I'm always, you know, looking at the ingredients and um, if things are organic and how they're sourced. And I was so impressed the first time I saw your product and I knew that whoever was behind it, you know, really knew what they were doing with the mixtures of herbs and um, and the ingredients. And so I, I just, I'm, and we obviously sell some of your products at Urban Remedy. So um, congratulations on creating such an amazing brand. Thank you. That's so special to hear from you as a fellow herbalist and someone that knows how to see through, hopefully, I mean, not terribly, I should say, uh, greenwashing and, you know, fillers yeah. and crazy ingredients out there. Yeah, exactly. I've heard, I've watched a couple of your podcasts and interviews, and I would just love you to start by sharing your story. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny because herbs really chose me. I never really saw myself as being like, you know, a true herbalist and what the meaning of the word is modern day reality. But when I was really young, I was very connected to the spirit world and to the world of healing. My grandmother introduced me very much into the world of spirits, and we were very a spiritual family, just like constantly using meditation as a form to connect. And even though it got a little too woo-woo for some people to hear the story, it was really special for me because I was like seven years old and we would sit in meditation and I would just start accessing these profound realities that at that time was just normal to me, you know, it was just, and probably to every single child that would do this. We all have that natural subconscious opening to these, you know, worlds. So thankfully, my family just kind of like went with it and allowed it. And I had pretty profound spiritual experiences where I would just like completely lose consciousness and just go into alternate realities. And and I I wouldn't know what to make of it. And now looking back, it's beautiful. But it was, you know, very much of a crisis back then. I was just going through so much. I didn't know what I was or who what I was seeing or if I was seeing ghosts or dead people or, you know, it was just pretty, it was pretty intense. Um, But then as I learned to integrate it and so, and I knew that healing was, you know, a big part of my path, I was doing a lot of hands-on healing. And then eventually when I was more of like a teenager, just kind of learning with a lot of curanderos and curanderas from the rainforest that really taught me that what all those worlds really meant. And so that really grounded my experience. And I really, you know, wanted to keep doing, I learned with this, for example, this woman that was a soalora, which is a a specific kind of shaman that heals through the hands only. And so, and a mentalista, which is like another word for, you know, people that use their mind or psychic powers to diagnose. And so, so I was very inspired to go down more of that path more than just, you know, using herbs or so as a medium. And at that time, herbs were not even like, you know, in my mind at all. I was just like seeing the spirit of nature and like all these like multifaceted realities. And it just, it was amazing. I felt like I was living in like a, (laughs) like a beautiful, highly visual, like storybook of sorts of, you know, through the eyes of a, of a child or like a really open dilated mind. And so when I started applying all those techniques, I started receiving the message through the different curanderos and ceremonies I would do that 
herbs was specifically my tool to work with. So I kind of went with it, even though I resisted it at first. I was like, really? Shouldn't I be like doing hands-on healing, you know, and I kept wanting to go a different direction. And I enrolled in different, you know, like courses with different curanderos. I went to South America. I then ended in California and learning with other wonderful North American herbalists and, you know, just different, different techniques. And so I just really dove deep into the world of herbs and also like Chinese medicine. Like you, I really adore it. I think it's fascinating and a beautiful developed system. So I just kind of went from there and just kept following the call and the voice that, you know, was with me since I'm, since I can remember. I love, you know, it's so beautiful about your story and also makes me think about how sad it is in our culture is that, you know, so many people that are highly sensitive and that are at a young age, you know, have experiences that are considered, you know, connecting to spirit or, you know, feeling, you know, seeing, being a seer, you know, connecting in other sorts of ways. It's so not part of the Western culture that a lot of people, including myself, um, are because we don't have people to teach us from a young age, you know, try to turn it off because it's really scary and nobody understands what it is and it's not normal, you know? And I've talked to so many people that, you know, have that story of, you know, at a young age, I was, I could feel other people's feelings or, and there's a difference between being obviously an empath and the other part, but, um, so we turn it off at a young age and it's so amazing that you had this amazing community around you to really cultivate and grow that part of yourself. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's so sad because so many children, we're all born with these powers. This is very normal to our body and mind, you know, like being hyper psychic and intuitive is part of how we're built. It's part of our nature. So it's just so fascinating that now it's diagnosed as ADHD or it's NDD now, nature deficit disorder or whatever it is now that's going to be probably coming in the next few years too, which is just simply a disconnection to this natural sense of being. Yeah. I tried to teach my son, you know, from a really young age when he would fall down and, you know, he'd start crying and I would teach him to put his hands on his ouchie or his cut or whatever happened, you know, Mm -hmm. and really try to teach him, you can heal yourself and close your eyes. And it was so cute. He used to close his eyes and like put his hands there and, you know, and then as he has gotten older, you know, it's, then it's weird, you know, when you're in school kind of to do those things, but um, Mm -hmm. it's such an important skill to teach our kids and our, it just reminds me, and maybe we could talk a little bit about this, um, how backwards our whole society is right now. It's so like the, we are just like turned around upside down because our, the way that we live and our medical system is so not about connecting to our true selves and nature and feeling emotions and, and um, growing through difficulties or illness. And it's, it's a little bit scary. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Like how yeah, how you use plants or illness um, as a guide? Exactly. No, I think imbalances, like even imbalances as a form of doing body mapping, which is what some people call it, or many traditions around the world, actually, from Chinese medicine to tribal curanderismo in, in South Central America, like they all have diagnosed these certain imbalances in the physical body as forms to understand the emotional imbalance, which I think is genius and ancient. And obviously, you know, it's a mirror effect, you know, so they're not separate like the Western mind has done in modern medical systems. I think ancient systems all wove this spirit, emotional and mental bodies all as one. So I think all these imbalances that we are incorrectly diagnosing for specific, you know, let's say very specific uh, sources of imbalance that, it's so much more energetic. It's so much more emotional than we think. Mm-hmm. And I think if we started targeting it in that way more and more and integrating all medical systems in this way, I think it would be, it would cause like speedy healing, like on a mass level, you know? Yeah. And, and awakening. Cause it's so, cause then you're really empowered. And that's one of the things I, I loved, you know, when I was in Uh, studying Chinese medicine in the beginning, you know, and then really seeing it in my practice was like, wow, you know, seeing somebody come in that was having an asthma attack, you know, and then bringing in like, you know, the lungs have to do with grief and sadness, and then asking, you know, that person, you know, 
mm-hmm. and not knowing any of it. Are you experiencing any, any grief or sadness? And then just literally just crying or releasing the emotion can release that or like fears in the kidneys and anger and irritation is in the liver. And it's so, it's so simple, but in my own practice, so profound. And even when you relate it to different types of cancers and where they're located and the emotions associated with that. And, um, you know, I have somebody really close to me in my life right now, an old family friend who's dealing with cancer and she's, you know, doing more allopathic treatment, but a little bit of some other stuff and, you know, trying to explain and give her the opportunity to look at, you know, her life and what maybe has caused this cancer to manifest in this way. And for me, that's like the biggest part of the healing process and opportunity there, but it's just not part of the Western model at all, which is, it's, which is, it's for me, it's like the biggest piece and it's hard to sometimes to talk about because obviously it's not yes. part of the standard treatment of care, but um, exactly like in curanderismo, for example, which is very similar to Tibetan systems is, for example, in Pacho, which translates in Spanish to Spanish to English would be like when you have something too sweet that you feel almost like, you know, disgusted Empacho uh-huh. is a, a sickness of the liver that eventually develops as chronic anger in your life. Mm-hmm. And it may develop since you're a child for different, like very psycho-spiritual moments within the newborn's life. And so curanderos think that if specific things, for example, happened to you when you were just born that generated empacho and eventually created this like liver anger, kind of like Chinese medicine, it's something that you have to heal specifically from newborn, almost like prenatal consciousness almost, you know, so... Is things that we don't even remember in our mind on how to go back, but there's all these amazing spiritual tools to like unleash that repressed energy. Oh, that's so amazing. So how, what would, if you had that, then what would you do? Like if you, cause if it was subconscious from when you were born, like what would the treatment mm-hmm. be for that? Yeah. Well, and that's where the breakdown of different shamans are here. There's like mentalistas, like I was saying, oh. so and so you would specifically match different curanderos for different things, but they do, they basically like relinquish old stagnant energy through different things, like through smoke, like smoke cleansing with specific herbs that are like assigned to the consciousness that is, let's say, related to empacho. Um, and then, or let's say if you have uh, tristeza, for example, is another shamanic disease. Tristeza is directly translates as sadness, but it's not sadness as we know it. Let's say depression is sadness in relation to not being desired as a child or wanted as a child. So like, let's say if the mother was battling, not wanting the child and then having the child and growing up, not wanted in the family. Tell me about um, kind of the culture then in Costa Rica. Is this, um, is all of this medicine, you know, this way, these ways of treating common in Costa Rica, or is it just like kind of a sub thing that you really have to look for? Or is it more, like, could you, if I was like in San Jose, is this part of kind of the culture there or is it more on the outskirts? I would say the outskirts is definitely like, you know, it's still like even in modern, let's say like, yeah, modern San Jose reality would be considered like brujeria or something, which is like witchcraft, uh-huh, <laughs> which okay. I wouldn't even, I definitely don't associate it. I mean, I love witchcraft in its own way, but not like in the negative connotation that, you know, some people have with it, but. You definitely would find it more like where the indigenous people are or indigenous healers more like, you know, in El Campo, like in the, in the field, out in the mountain somewhere. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Hopefully yeah. someday I can come to Costa Rica and, and find you. Um, yeah. <laughs> what well, do you... Huh? The different systems, like going back to a, uh, the, the different healing forms, like they're so different and every curandero will have its own prescription mm-hmm. to kind of relinquish through smoke or flower cleansing or even vibrational essences and and so on. But anyways, I wanted to add that for the earlier thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, mm-hmm. And what, how do you feel about, you know, plant medicine, meaning um, things like ayahuasca and mushroom psilocybin, things like that. It's, there's such a huge um, wave right now where everybody is like using plant medicine and it's, you know, it's, I feel like everybody I talk to is that's kind of something that they're using and it's very popular right now. What's your viewpoint on 
journeying and, and using that kind of plant medicine? I think um, ayahuasca and, and fellow plantas maestras, like master plants, are just absolutely amazing to use as, you know, let's say like boosters for psycho-spiritual awakening. I think they're genius. They're incredible. They've been used for millennia. Like just the traditions are just beautiful and fascinating and complex. And, and like many curanderos say, these plants are here and popular, not because we're just necessarily popularizing them as humans. It's also nature's form of activating consciousness in the modern mind. This like major disconnect to nature's soul is like part of the issue of major problems on a collective level. So I do believe these plants are rising in popularity because it is heavily needed to reconnect to, you know, Gaia's mind, nature's mind. It's just essential, you know? So I do, of course, think that the cultural appropriation component, you know, and people going out of their way just to like go sit in ceremony, you know, <laughs> to, to go do this like exclusive retreat and spend thousands of dollars just to go mm-hmm. find themselves. I don't necessarily support that aspect of it, but I do feel like if it's like used intentionally, mindfully in respect of the indigenous culture that you're, you know, working with. And, and so I feel like it can be profound healing to the, to most people, you know, that use it. Um, yeah. I've, there's been so many stories, which I'm sure, you know, right. Of people just having, true life-changing experiences where they like wake up rewired as a new person, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I do. I've seen so many people transform. And then I feel like I also see people that then start to use it rather than um, do kind of doing their own work, because I do think it's such beautiful medicine. And then I also think that we are nature and nature is us. And so it's already inside of us, you know, that God energy. And so then it's like, also, how do we embody that without always having to use that to get there? Exactly. Like meditation can cause similar experiences. Once you get like in in a practice of it, it can be just as profound as sitting in ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the like energetics of plants and and maybe a little bit of like how you can use plants for sovereignty. Because like what we're talking about is that, um, you know, we live in this world where unfortunately, you know, so many things in our day to day life, like medical care, psychological care, schooling, you know, everything is kind of it's like this circle of big agriculture and pharma and and sickness. And, you know, we're just, you know, living in this place of rushing and working and disconnection Mm -hmm. from nature. And, um, I you know, one of the things I've, I learned, even though I've been doing this for a long time myself, was like really getting off my center a couple of years ago from overworking and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And my way I found the way I found myself back to my center is really through, um, doing what we're talking about is like reconnecting to myself, meditation, like connecting to nature, just sitting under trees, touching trees, you know, being at the ocean, all of those things, which are, you know, sitting in the sunshine, which are all really simple, beautiful things that we've kind of lost touch with that we all have access to most of us. Mm -hmm. And um, I'd love to hear you talk or your opinion on, you know, how do we get back to ourselves? How do we get back to living in harmony with ourselves in the universe and, and turning around? Because one thing that I've kind of learned is that, you know, I've always been somebody who's, you know, I get upset when I, you know, things are going on or certain laws are passed or things like that. And I finally figured out like the more I'm in the fight, the more energy I'm putting out into that. So it's like, you know, what you kind of focus on, grow stronger. And so I've come back to myself and just, you know, working on myself and changing myself and, you know, being in love with myself and spreading that it to me is more powerful than anything else, right? That change that we're doing inside. And anyways, so just living in harmony, I'd love to hear, I feel like you have a lot of wisdom on this, Mm -hmm. this topic. So I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, like what you were like the quote you were saying, like love, even though it sounds so cliche and even me as well, like when I feel like I've overworked and spent too much screen time with logistics of running a business and 
you know, you get consumed with the millions of details as a business owner or whatever, you know. So I think going back to literally practicing states of love as a form of higher consciousness, I think is one of the most powerful tools and not love in the sense of like the the gooey, cuddly, lovely, you know, it's like that's one form of love, but there is like hundreds or thousands of forms of expressing love for yourself that I think like once that is truly practiced, you start entering into this higher form of intelligence. It's almost like as if nature vibrates in that state of love consistently, you know, like we experience it as humans as love, but nature just lives in that frequency and it's often associated to the gamma brainwave frequency, you know, so it's kind of like this high frequency of high intelligence, high information, high consciousness that it's almost like the majority or we believe a lot of us, but the majority of the cosmos is in that specific like vibration. And so I think using specific things like plants, whether it's master plants or normal everyday tonic plants, like things as simple as lemon balm or chamomile that are, have been in our kitchen cabinets for, you know, for thousands of years for a reason as humans, you know? So I think even using plants as a form to accessing this higher intelligence is a very beautiful way to enter this, you know, self harmony with yourself in the world. And, and it's just, plants are just incredible at how they assist us in accessing this gateway or the simple act of meditating and accessing the myriad forms of love within your body is so profound. You know, like I've had some of the most profound experiences just utilizing these forms of love in my body and try to like access it, just sitting there and breathing, you know, and like focusing it on, until I'm like used to just using it as a gateway to enter into these higher realms. Um, so it just, it's like good love is that glue that allows you to like really experience this higher intelligence, this self-organizing intelligence that we're made of and made from. Um, so yeah, I think that's truly what I keep going back to, even in moments of extreme stress and chaos and, you know, when you're just angry at the world or like certain family dynamics that we all have and share that can be chaotic sometimes that just help you just go back and settle into the reason why you're existing, you know, why you're here beyond the nonsense, beyond the to-do list, beyond the, all these ideals of productivity that are just part of, part of modernity, you know? So I think it's so beautiful to use it. And, and even like a lot of like, you know, trans channels and mediums that I've met that are extremely talented and just doing that light switch effect where they literally just like drop into this state of higher intelligence, like within the blink of an eye. And I think after asking them extensively, I'm like, how do you get there? You know, how can you completely disassociate from this like human experience and be in that state of immersed one love consciousness? I, I honestly don't even have words for it. Like that one state of like onenessness that we all have and are made from. And so they, after practicing on focusing in these higher states of love is their way of like accessing this like reality that is a true truth that many ancient cultures have spoken about that is just like the truth of our existence. You know, so I think it's beautiful that it's just love is truly like, I guess the bottom line descriptive word as the gateway to accessing that power, beautiful, powerful state. That's so beautiful. I love that. So for people who are listening and maybe don't know how to start, you know, on this journey of like reconnection to self, what, mm -hmm. what would be like a, a simple way to help people get started on this journey back to themselves and, and to loving themselves and to connecting to all that is, which is nature and the magic and mystery of, of that? Mm -hmm. I think it's very personal to every single person, but the, the first one I would think would be to be immersed in nature as much as possible. Feel like something happens when you step into the grid of nature that just immediately just makes you like think different feel different breathe different connect different like it just happens almost automatically no matter where in the world you are even if you're like in a city and you just like go to wherever little pocket of nature is still left within the city and dry, just try to really ground there you know like grounding take your shoes off put your feet on the soil lay down, put a blanket, read, laying down a book, like write on a blanket, like simple things like that. I feel like connect us to the electromagnetic frequency within just the soil and the earth. And so I think that's a very powerful way to just connect. And it doesn't require anything but time, you know, just your time to go do it and not 
prioritize anything else over just going and like relaxing and connecting, activating the parasympathetic nervous system, connecting to the ground and just really um, allowing yourself the time. And at first, I think it's so funny when I speak to certain clients, they're like, I don't have time. I literally have to go work. I have to like do a million things. I have three kids. I don't have, I can't even do it. And it's like, I agree. Things get crazy, but you have to take the time. Yeah. That's number one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if it's just five, I, I try to wake up. I tell myself and I'm a single mom, so I'm super busy. And every morning I'm like, the one thing that I try to do is just before I leave the house is just go sit in that morning sunshine and let the sun shine on my eyes and my face. Even if it's just for three to five minutes, it's like the best way to start my day. I feel so also tired and groggy. But if I do that in the morning with like a quick meditation or just feeling some gratitude or just connecting to all that is, and my days are so much better when I do that. It's, 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 and it's so the smallest thing. Yeah. It's so true. And I think also like entering that consciousness often throughout the day. So let's say you do the three to five minute morning run, ideally more, but you know, that's perfect that anything, anytime is perfect. And then let's say you're in the middle of the work grind, you step away from your computer office or area of work, and you literally take another three minutes and try to tap into that same love, gratitude, frequency, high frequency field. And you breathe there intently, very powerful breathing. And then you go back to whatever you're doing. And I think the more you kind of do those boosters throughout the day, it really establishes that consciousness more and more in your mind. Mm-hmm. I'd love that. Yeah, it's just, and then if you have more time on the weekends, you know, being able to like go on a walk or a hike or, you know, anything to be in nature is, it is yeah. such a good way to start the process. Yeah, the whole forest bathing, right? It's such a beautiful concept. You're just like bathing in the forest, receiving the energy, getting the downpour of intelligence, and then you go back to your human life, you know? Yeah, I love that. Let's talk a little bit about like how you look at the energetics of plants. Um, I always, when I, when I started studying um, herbs and I went to a school uh, in San Francisco where, um, you know, pretty much 50% of it was acupuncture and 50% was the herbal part. It was very extensive and, you know, having to learn, you know, thousands of herbs. um, One of the ways that I, 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 learned is by I would actually make the herbs kind of like a person I'd be like oh you know like ganjiang or whatever the herb was and I would have to think about what it did and so I would tell a story almost about the herb and like try to you know because it's associated with a certain organ and meridian system and a taste and a temperature and and um but that was how I learned and then after I did that I I started having more relationships with trees and plants and seeing them and feeling and I would you know have my own way of just like oh this looks like a queen or a king or I don't know I had my own ways of just like feeling the energy of the trees but how do you talk to me about um the energetics of plants for you and how you like understand their healing um properties and how you work with the energetics of plants with your patients Mm mm-hmm so that's, I think that's a beautiful question. And I think that is also very specific to every herbalist because I even love like the language of energetics between, you know, every people, even different cultures, how we all end up speaking of basically the same thing in an energetic way. And I just love that. It's just such a beautiful, like cosmic language. But I think the energetics, like, and it's, it's a very deep rooted language amongst many herbalists. And I think it really helps us assess as to what the plant does. So like, let's say I think flavor, like just the taste of a plant and how that can really ignite the energetic background. It might be igniting, for example, if it's like hot or moist or like drying astringent or, uh, you know, any kind of cooling energy it might have, or just any of the sensations and sensorial experience of the plant, I think already speaks a lot about what it might do and how that associates into, you know, specific areas of our body. So like if it's hot and moist, what is it, what part of the body does it immediately connect to you specifically? You know, so let's say you're chewing on the plant specifically or just smelling it and you get these factors we all immediately feel it somewhere in our body. It's like, if you really tune into the somatic experience, you really know that it's targeting a specific organ system or around your heart, or let's say around your hips, or you feel it down by your knees, or, you know, there's all these specific ways that the 
plants speak to us. And I also feel like the visual component of plants, like the doctrine of signatures where the plant looks much of like what it does, I think it's also beautiful to analyze with whatever plant you're working with. Let's say it's solar plants or more lunar plants and how just the physical energetic nature might be revealing a major aspect of its healing qualities. So I think that's how I personally love and love to teach people, even like going back to the reconnection, I think tuning into the subtleties of flavor, the visionary experience, the way the plant grows or where it usually grows and all these different subtle factors that it might embody is very beautiful ways to really start understanding medicinal qualities and just straight energetics of plants. And especially working with plants vibrationally, like if you're, let's say, doing a flower essence of dandelion, and we all know dandelions, you know, grow on the sidewalk and they're extremely resilient and they're very liver cleansing, which is part of its like bitter astringent nature and how that's signaling like the liver specifically or even gallbladder gut support. I think it's beautiful to also on an energetic component, like if this plant is a resilient plant bursting through sidewalks, you start thinking, what can the energy of this plant do for somebody? Just like let's say the flower essence, what kind of person would need this right now? So if somebody's in, that I would be, let's say, working with, if they're extremely deficient, um, let's say emotionally, where they're just needing that support system, that energy to break through emotional patterning that might be deficient or, you know, fear-based or anything in relation to that, I think something like dandelion essence would be such a simple and powerful remedy for specific situations like that, which we all need, you know, like we all need that emotional power and feeling of safety and resilience as we navigate these crazy times. And so I think like just even that, you know, like working with nature in that way, that symbolic language um, is so beautiful, right? Yeah, I love that. Do you use a lot of essences? Yes, I love essences. I think it's, it's beautiful. And we don't really like sell it as a company like we used to a lot, like rainforest essences, but just I love it as a form because it's like truly people's medicine on so many levels, you know, like yeah. even with specific poisonous plants, like it's very safety, safe to work with flower essences, you know, ways of extracting, even let's say plants that are, you know, considered unsafe or if you don't know if they're poisonous or not, you can still be pretty safe in using vibrational remedies in that like, in that way, you know, and, and making it is so easy, you know, anybody can make it anywhere. I love that. It's kind of like a form of homeopathy where you're diluting it. So you're just getting, you know, the essence and the vibration of that plant. Exactly. Fascinating how it works, you know, like even non-believers that are like, how can that little flower on some water do anything to me? You know, they're like, I need like something like a root tea that's like a true decoction or some sort of intense, you know, menstruum, you know, whatever. And sometimes even those kind of people that don't believe in it are shocked within a month of one, within one month, right? Of using essences, they're like, I think I actually just had an aha moment. I broke through, you know, like, and it's, those things start happening. Yeah. There can be a quality to any, any kind of healing, whether it's, you know, using supplements or herbs um, that kind of mimics um, Western medicine thought of, um, you know, something is wrong in your body. So like go in and kill it or go in and, you know, do whatever you think it needs to be done, which might still block the innate healing capacity of the body because the body is a healing machine. And that's something I, I do love about essence, flower essences and homeopathy is it gently helps your body heal on its own without having to use this kind of harsher method. And sometimes we need, you know, a strong herbal formula or, you know, not mm -hmm. to say that that's not good, but um, that that's what I love about essences. And I love what you were saying about the energetics of herbs. I don't know if you've ever seen in Chinese medicine, there's that really beautiful drawing of the body as a garden. And um, I thought of that when you were talking, cause it, it shows, the body and it shows like in the head, there's these like beautiful clouds and then there's like the forest and then there's like places where they grow food and the garden where you need moist and damp and then like the channels and the, the rocks, you know, that kind of go down the leg and it just shows how, you know, our body, you know, sometimes we need things to drain dampness and sometimes we need things to heat up certain areas. And and that's what I love about herbal medicine is it, it's just this um, holistic 
way to stimulate the innate healing capacity that our own bodies have, rather than just looking at one thing and being like, oh, you know, I was just talking to somebody recently and she's like, I have candida. Can you help me? Like, I'm going to take, you know, um, niastin and, you know, some other things. And I was like, I'm, and this is just my own opinion. So I am not saying it's right for everybody, but I was like, well, that's really a sign for me that your terrain, your, your whole body, you know, we need to change the terrain of your body because if this is overgrowing, it's showing us that you probably have too much dampness in your body and we have to work on your diet and whatnot. And it creates, because like things are going to grow in our body and illnesses are going to happen when our, the whole system is out of balance. Um, but people really focus, I notice, and have a lot of trouble healing when they're focusing on like killing a specific thing like candida without realizing, oh, that's just a sign that the whole system needs to be treated and, you know, change the whole terrain of your body. Yeah. And I agree, like even some, you know, some of the stronger medicines that can really help with, you know, parasites or candida overgrowth or whatever can be very strong. And like you said, also using on an energetic level, what kind of terrain or regrounding needs to happen in conjunction to perhaps stronger macerations of herbs that can be, you know, help to heal or bring back to wholeness, you know. How, what do you feel or what's your thoughts on the body's ability to heal itself? And like, what are the things that you bring into that with your people that you work with? I think, you know, healing, healing ourselves is so incredibly powerful and we all have it. And I think it's all that vibrational shift that we must make, you know, like, like many thought leaders say, like you change your energy and you change your life. So I think a lot of that, when we change our energy and our vibrational tone and literally the electromagnetic frequency of our body, that is very real. Once we switch that programming, I feel like our body activates latent systems that literally create the cocktails within, let's say the neurotransmitters or whatever other cocktails needed in order to bring back the body to balance. And, you know, it's like a garden, you know, like the ecology of our, of our inner world, once we really balance the different elements within and really understand what is thrown off by what and how to balance that, it's like you really activate our own innate healing system. Like it's kind of amazing in a way that we have, let's say for mood imbalances, which is very common, you know, like we have all the neurotransmitters to bring us into complete hormonal balanced perfection at any time, you know, and like, it's all about what needs to be signaled within in order to excrete, let's say more dopamine or more of a, a serotonin or whatever else. So I think like once we signal the body correctly, it naturally knows what to do, what to do. Like that the body is like an intelligent garden more than a machine. You know, a lot of people say machine, but we're so much more than a machine, you know, like we are such an intricate ecological intelligence that the self-organizing system kicks in once you get all these blockages out of the way. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. And our cells are commanded to do that. And I think once we allow the cells to go back to it, like same with fasting, you know, like how can fasting after, you know, millennia of cultures doing fasting and just water or no water or whatever it is, how can systems just activate once, you know, nothing's in the way anymore, you know, no potential allergens or food or anything going through the gut, like the body just knows what to do. And it's kind of incredible, like the miracle of, you know, self-organizing systems within ourselves. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Can you talk a little bit, we, we talked about it a little before about like our own sovereignty and how potentially we can use things like flower essences or herbalism, um, to use to kind of heal ourselves without getting wrapped up in the whole other medical systems that are out there that don't kind of look at healing in that way. Yeah, I think herbalism, which is so fascinating, you know, because I feel like right now more than ever, even herbal companies, wellness companies are not, it's not easy for some reason in the system to thrive as a specific let's say wholeness system is being shut down heavily by rules and regulations of, you know, pharmaceutical companies. And it is a shame because even the most well-known pharmaceutical medicines draw templates from plants, you know, like the origin story of all these medicines is plants. And so all this information is extracted from indigenous people all around the world. And I've even met pharmaceutical people that are, you know, 
you know, very high up in the pharmaceutical world. And they also say how much they even go out of their own way to go seek out the remaining indigenous peoples that have had incredible formulations of plants for thousands or hundreds of years. And they want to go there and basically take away that knowledge and convert it into a synthetic medicine. So, you know, I have no issue with pharmaceuticals. Some of them can be extremely beneficial. I think once we integrate the East and Western minds within pharmacy, I think it would be an incredible system. But so far, like, I mean, the theft of that knowledge and the lack of recognition of where it comes from and the lack of recognition of nature as the source of inspiration is a huge issue. You know, it's a huge issue. And now having all these new systems creating regulations on herbalism is just like taking away our sovereignty and our ancient knowledge that we all have heritage in. We all come from these indigenous systems one way or another, you know, whatever, how much back in time, you know, you might be more of an earlier indigenous descendant or not, whatever it is, we all trace back to somewhere that use this herb or plants or nature in that specific heat, sacred healing form. So I think it's, we cannot allow history to erase the power of herbalism. You know, like if you even try to trace back a lot of medicinal knowledge before the 1700s, it's like almost inexistent. You know, and like, what exactly happened? Like, who made it disappeared or why did it disappear? There was written records. There was beautiful, ancient, passed down knowledge, you know, verbally as well. Like, why was that so abolished, you know? So I really feel like herbalism is the medicine of belonging, is the medicine of our source, of where we come from, of who we are. And we cannot allow it to go extinct through pharmaceuticals. You know, we cannot allow it to go extinct just because we have to choose one or the other. We can have both, but like, we have to really pioneer and keep these traditions alive or it'll go extinct within a generation you know that's so beautifully said yeah I totally agree with you and it's so interesting how you you can see like there'll be something that just gets really popular that comes out you know where like like a maybe a really simple example is like turmeric you know where they say like they take out the curcumin and then it's like oh here this works or even the thing about like um, using turmeric with black pepper. And, it, you know, I've had people like email and say, oh, you're whatever, you have turmeric and something and it doesn't have the black pepper. So I'm not buying it anymore because it's not biologically active. And my response is always, you know, I, I understand what you're saying because that is the one, because they did a scientific study that showed that black pepper makes it more bioavailable. But really like we've been using turmeric and Chinese medicine for 3000 years. And the, the synergy of everything that is in that root is so beautiful and works together so perfectly. Like there's actually fats in turmeric. There's actually, you know, all of these other components when you use the whole plant or the whole root that have the most perfect synergy that you could never recreate in pharmaceutical medicine. So when you're taking like the, like Valium is another great example, you know, there's Valerian, um, which has been used for the same things that people use Valium for. But when you take out away that synergistic quality that nature has made so perfect, it still works. And it's great. Like, you know, sometimes people need to take a Valium for, you know, whatever, if you're going through like a crisis or whatever. Um, but you're kind of like, I loved what you said, what you said made me think of this, you're losing kind of the magic sometimes of the herb, which is a lot of times why there's more side effects in pharmaceutical medication, because you remove that synergistic balance of, like you said, that goes back to the actions and the taste and the temperature and understanding like the meridians and the organs that these things are associated with. And in Chinese medicine, when you know, and in and, and your herbalism that you've studied, when you understand that you're using a toxic herb and you know to add licorice or another herb or ginger or something to reduce the toxic toxic effect of those herbs, you're like working with all that beautiful synergistic, the beautiful synergistic properties that no nothing can recreate because nature has done it so perfectly. Exactly. Like the extraction of a singular compound versus the holistic perfected remedy made by nature it's kind of hard to believe that like the man-made singular compound medicine will have everlasting effects over like something that has been refined for thousands of years by nature itself. You know, it's just, 
it's it's so interesting, you know, like just drawing out the one active component of the of what is being sought out for. So and a lot I of times think- they're missing that, you know, then sometimes they'll do studies and they'll be like, oh, well, it's not do- working or doing the same thing because it's the magic of all the other pieces of the puzzle within that root or herb or leaf or flower or mineral or whatever it is that is inherently there. Exactly. It reminds me a lot of like the whole homeopathic um, understanding of like, like cures like, you know, so like that ancient understanding of like, even knowing how to use poisonous plants in the proper way has healed even the worst of fevers, you know, like in homeopathy, which I love, I think it's a brilliant system too, like using poisonous plants like pulsatilla, belladonna, acontium, which is monkshood, they're extremely poisonous. If you have them as a tea, like you would probably die or hallucinate for like a whole week straight. You know, it's like obviously not advised, but in homeopathy, they figured out how to dilute it to the point that it treats some of the worst fevers, like within 24 hours, lowering it by 50%. And it's like poison medicine, you know? So it's just fascinating, that whole like brilliant understanding on how to use medicine versus like extracting the singular compound, you know? Exactly. And there are still people that go, oh, you're like, I, cause so many people are having sore throats right now with, uh, the COVID strain that's going around. And, um, I was just telling a friend to take Mercurius, which is the, you know, the homeopathic form. And they were like, that's toxic because it's mercury. And then, um, but it's such a powerful weapon. It's totally non-toxic in the homeopathic, um, form and it is so amazing at getting rid of these like really severe sore throats um yeah but yeah people sometimes don't understand so so maybe can you at the for the ending can you share like some of maybe I know you probably have so many favorites but like right now you know people are really worried there is this kind of a lot of people are seem to be getting sick right now maybe what would be your top few um remedies for staying healthy or like dealing with a sore throat or a cold or COVID or um, what are your favorite plants right now or formulas that you would suggest to people? There is um, one weed that I love that grows in Latin America. That's called Chanca Piedra. Uh, that is, and it's also known as Stonebreaker. And I mean, a lot of the scientific studies like basically a makes it more of a gallstone, kidney stone type of medicine, but it is a very powerful antiviral as well. So here is very much back to the people's medicine here that is used everywhere, everywhere, even like, you know, it's like every from the grandmother's pantry to like modern day reality type of people. Um, everybody uses that tea to deal with sore throats, any kind of viral-ish infections and even for just like any cold and flu kind of symptom it's a really really wonderful plant um it's pretty easy to find you know like you can find it online we also have it like it's just an easy to source plant and extremely abundant and i like that i love that about it okay and it's stone breaker uh-huh stone breaker or chanca piedra yeah it's a beautiful antiviral and then I've been also really loving just to like give a little rainforest herbalism here just because it's like literally right outside my office right now here. It's a, a cordoncillo negro, cordoncillo negro. It's in the same family as cava cava, but very different. It's also used very much as an antiviral uh, cellular detoxifier, which I love also for these kinds of um, imbalances that we have nowadays. Can you spell that just so that we, so if people yeah. want to look it up? Yeah, cordoncillo. So it's C-O-R-D-O-N-C-I-L-L-O. So it literally means like black shoelace, cordoncillo negro, and the negro is N-E-G-R-O. So that also amazing weed, you see it everywhere. And it just, you know, it's used usually for parasites and a lot of like cleansing. So it's a very, a very cleansing plant, but also with antiviral properties, which I adore for everything. You know, it's just general resilience. And then also classics for like sore throats. And so I love echinacea. I think echinacea is just a wonderful one to fall back on to keep your pantry stocked with. Specifically echinacea angustifolia, which is a little less common than the purpurea because for several factors, but they both are excellent um, echinaceas. There's other kinds too. So anything you have within your vicinity or even farmer's market, if you have a farmer that has echinacea root, like raw and ready to go, I always advise getting raw and fresh. 
Um, if you can like cook it up or make your own syrup, if you're feeling into it, I think that's just always the best if you can make your own medicine. But yeah, Kanesha is so great. And what I love about it is the tingling action you get in your tongue and like the top of your throat. So especially for sore throats, I love making like echinacea root and I macerate it in vinegar with like ginger, garlic, oregano, or here we use ruda, which is the rue, also a very antimicrobial plant, which I love. Um, and just anything you might have, like even a little horseradish, kind of like making that cider idea, but with echinacea is so awesome, I think, mm -hmm. for sore throats and any kind of like lung lung stuff and yes yeah, so i would say those are my my current favorites i also love reishi for lung related conditions i think it's a wonderful antiviral mushroom you can now find it anywhere holy moly right yeah you can have it in your espresso you can have it anywhere now so i just i love reishi and medicinal mushrooms absolutely yeah me too we have reishi in a bunch of our products and we also i love everything that you just said. We have this great, um, I don't know if you've heard of, it's a local um, company in the Bay Area, but it's called, it's made by these amazing woman herbalists and they have this, uh, it's called Taproot Medicine and they make this mighty lung syrup and it has rosemary and thyme and mullein and nettles and reishi and rhodiola and it's this beautiful syrup. Um, that's really good that we sell as well, which Delicious. I, I really love. Yeah. I this love lung that. syrup sounds so good already. Like I want it. <laughs> I yeah. Want it. It's so great. Well, thank you so much for joining and sharing all of your wisdom. And um, I'm so happy to be able to have spoken to you today. And I love everything that you're doing. And I'm so happy that we're selling your amazing product. Um, so Yay. thank you so much for creating that. And um, yeah, thank you so, so much. Thank you for inviting me to your beautiful podcast. Thank me you. Too. Thank you. Thank you for joining us at the You Are Love podcast. For more episodes just like this, please subscribe. This is Nika and I'm wishing you a beautiful day.